The Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, the third chapter. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to John to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? But Jesus answered him, Let it be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he consented. And when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. This is the Gospel of our Lord. Today I want to focus on our Joshua reading. It's been too long since we've been in the Old Testament. Moses and the Hebrews, they were delivered from slavery in Egypt. God saved them by leading them through water, right? But the Red Sea. When Pharaoh's army followed the Israelite, Israelites into the water, God then closed the waters. And we remember this in the American spiritual. Pharaoh's army got drowned, all right? This is a good one. I sing it to my son. What that means is God uses water both to deliver his people, but he also uses water to punish and put to death. Water, neutral thing, created, good. God can use it as a tool to both save and to punish. In the book of Romans, Paul writes that when a Christian is baptized, he or she is baptized into Christ's death, united with Christ in his death. In baptism, Paul writes, a Christian is also united with Christ in his resurrection, his new life. The Christian comes out of the water as he went into death. He comes out new, like Christ coming out of the tomb, coming out of death. You may remember that from our funeral liturgy. Now, in this way, the baptism of the Christian through simple water and Christ's words joins the Christian to Christ's death and eternal life. So by faith, one is joined to Christ's death and resurrection, believing his promises. And what I hope maybe pushes you a little bit today is that also means that by faith, the Hebrews of the Old Testament, who believed God's promise of deliverance and followed him into the water, were also delivered by faith and joined to Christ, his death and his resurrection. The Hebrews were delivered from bondage, led by faith through water. You were delivered from bondage to devil, from, or sorry, from the devil, from your guilt, from the sin that you inherited from Adam, from eternal death, through water, tied to God's word. God was present in those waters and by the words spoken by the, your pastor that day. 
If you can remember from just a few weeks ago, the last time I preached on the Old Testament reading, we talked about the Hebrews grumbling against God and Moses, and Moses struck God on the rock in the wilderness. And that day was a turning point for the Hebrew people. After this point, God determines that generations, or that generation, would not enter the promised land that he promised to Abraham. In fact, because Moses struck the rock, God even says faithful Moses will not enter the promised land. Moses would be shown the promised land, however. He would be shown it from afar. He would go up on a high place and look down on the promised land and see it, but never enter. Even he, holy, righteous Moses, could not enter the promised land. Moses saw it and continued to believe God's promise. One day, he said, I will enter the promised land in the resurrection of all flesh. But I will never enter the promised land this side of death. And in that way, we can think of Moses and say, man, I want to be more like him and less like the way I usually am. One day I'll enter the promised land in the resurrection, but I will not enter it this side of my death. As Paul writes in Hebrews 11, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Moses, like Abraham, looked forward to the city that has foundations, God says, whose designer and builder is God, not man. But who would lead the next generation into the promised land? Who was raised in faith in God's provision and law? None other than Joshua, the son of Nun, and the next generation of Hebrews, who spent their entire childhood hearing the law, hearing stories of God's faithfulness, and ready to act on it. Joshua is heroic and faithful. The book of Joshua can be read out loud in the same amount of time it takes to watch a movie. Yet, any action movie pales in comparison to the story of Joshua and his bands of the faithful reclaiming the promised land from God's enemies and repulsive otherworldly giants. Moses brings Joshua before the presence of all the people. And he has Eleazar the priest. And he publicly chooses, all right, anoints Joshua to lead the Hebrews into the promised land. This takes us to the beginning of our text today. God tells Joshua, today is going to be scary, but have no fear. I am with you the same way I was with Moses. And that's comforting. Because if you can remember how God was with Moses, Exodus tells us that the Lord spoke to Moses face to face, the way a man speaks to his friend. So Joshua instructs those priests 
to carry the Ark of the Covenant, where the presence of God often chose to dwell. So people would see the Ark of the Covenant and know God is here with us. An assurance, right? Because we as people, we like to see things, touch things, smell things. Words are fine and good, but we need to see stuff too. We need to touch stuff. We need to taste stuff, right? We have more than one sense. And so this ark would go before the people in battle and wherever they traveled. And this would show them through actually doing it like a daily lived life, that it was not Moses. It was not Joshua who led them. It was God himself. The priests bore the ark, dipped their feet into the Jordan River, the natural border of the wilderness and the promised land, right? So you have to cross the Jordan to get into the promised land of Israel. And as they walked... They had sure feet. Joshua and the Hebrew people followed God's lead. They walked across the river on dry ground. And as the water stopped and gathered in a heap on one side, we listened to the sweet gospel of verse 17. Now the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stood firmly on dry ground In the midst of the Jordan, and all Israel was passing over on dry ground until all the nation finished passing into and over the Jordan. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, song of gladness. God has chosen what is foolish in the world to shame the wise, as our epistle says. God has chosen something very simple, water, to deliver his people. And he keeps doing it time and time again. What is foolish to the world? He chooses what is foolish and this shames those who say that they're wise. But what's cool is this time when Joshua and the the people of Israel cross, no one had to die. No soldiers of Pharaoh were harmed in this miracle of God. All right? And why? Why? Well, it's because the generation under Moses and even Moses himself, they died wandering. They died over there in the wilderness, unable to trust the Lord for their daily provision. But here, God himself, present with Israel, leads his people. And Joshua is close behind, and they go through the water of the Jordan to the promised land. It's wonderful. One note that I wanted to make is that the kids and the babies, they were delivered by God's grace through the water as well. The parents didn't leave the kids and the babies on the other shore and say, we'll wait for them to grow up and decide to walk across. No, the parents carried them across because the Lord would be doing the saving today. No one can save but God alone, not even Joshua. If you couldn't tell, Joshua is Jesus' namesake. Yeshua, right? Yeshua, Joshua, Jesus, Jesus. 
There were many excellent prophets in the history of the Hebrew people. John the Baptist was the last one, but all of them weren't perfect. Jesus, the new final Joshua, is. Just think back to what you know about Joshua and start to map it onto what Jesus then did. Right? Led the people through the Jordan to the promised land. Defeated the enemies of God to prepare a place for us to follow him to. All these things, right? Jesus, Jesus didn't need to be baptized. No, he wasn't a sinner. And I think that's the weirdest thing about today's feast. Jesus was baptized. He didn't need it. He wasn't a sinner. Baptism is for sinners like us. No, baptism needed Jesus, right? To make it more than the sign or symbol of repentance that John the Baptist was doing, Jesus needed to be baptized. To become life-saving and a flood that washes away sin and saves and delivers by God's action, Jesus needed to be baptized. And Jesus was here. And he did just that. No longer did God need to show his presence in an Ark of the Covenant with a mere human like Joshua or Moses in tow. No, God now dwelled bodily in the man Jesus, Yeshua, Joshua. And the God-man Jesus put his feet into the Jordan, eager to enter the promised land to preach the good news as he began his public ministry. And in that water, that day, no sin was washed away off of Jesus. Instead, the sins of the world, past, present, and future, came upon him. And from that day forward, Jesus would take on your sin. Jesus, the man, Joshua, and all the people of Israel, the perfect God who spoke from heaven, all of them were Jesus. And like Joshua's crossing of the Jordan with Israel, no one would die that day. No. Because instead, the one who would die would be Jesus. Instead of Pharaoh's army being drowned and killed, Jesus, bearing your sin and the sin of Moses, failing to keep God's law, the sin of the Hebrews wandering in the desert, the sins of Elk Grove Village, the sins of future generations, the whole sin of the whole world would go upon Jesus, who would go upon a cross and suffer and die. And those sins would be defeated, the power of them in their, your life too. And he would rise again. And so when you joined Jesus in that water, you joined him in his death. And when you came out, you joined him in his resurrection life. It's over. It's over. You're saved. You are delivered. Yet your baptism remains an active part of your life. It's not in the rearview mirror or past, like many teach. There's no need to say, I was baptized. 
No, we can speak like the Bible speaks. I am baptized. I am baptized the same way Christ is crucified, the way that Christ is alive. I am baptized. In those waters, Jesus took your sin, and in those waters, Jesus gave you his life. Heaven opened up not only to him that day, but to you as well. Enter in. It's open for you. You will see the sun, or angels descending and ascending upon the Son of Man. Follow him. Daily, the Christian drowns their old Adam in their heart. That's what Luther writes in the small catechism. Daily, the Christian is called to, like the Israelites in the water that day, holding the ark, stand firm. That's what endure means in the New Testament. Stand firm. God doesn't ask much, right? He doesn't say, go and do that. He says, stand firm. Stuff's going to come at you. People are going to say things about you. You're going to be hurt. Your family's going to get sick. You might get sick, but stand firm till the end. Stand on the dry ground in the Jordan. Endure the attacks of the devil. Hide in Christ's promise in your baptism. Each day remember, though, I am baptized in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. I am God's beloved Son, in whom he is well pleased. Hallelujah. Amen.